everyone and welcome back to Crypto Girls. Uh, it's me Sophie and I'm with my lovely co-host Nikita. We are going to talk about some really interesting things today but before we get on to that I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update of some new very exciting news that uh, we're having in Crypto Girls at the moment. So one of our community members is very kindly and very skillfully crafting a newsletter which comes out each fortnight and this newsletter will keep you up to date with everything that's happening in crypto and things that are happening specifically on crypto girls i.e podcast articles instagram posts everything that's going on in our space uh, so if you'd like to sign up to that we have a website cryptogirlshq.com which you can sign up to the newsletter for today we're here to talk about a sad event but it's exciting to us I feel like this is the way I introduced like every single episode because we've been talking <laughs> about so many sad things and collapses and whatnot but today yeah. we're talking about Silicon Valley Bank mm-hmm. so it, it collapsed on March 10 so 11 days ago and honestly I've been a little MIA but mm. it's you know, pretty related to crypto because all the SHIT that happened last year is just kind <laughs> of all catching up to us. And it's not just like crypto people being weird. It's also like the interest rates. We can also put some blame on Putin for starting a bloody war. hundred percent. Like it's just whenever there's a financial disaster, it's not all it's not one cause, it's multiple. It's a cocktail Absolutely. And it's, yeah, you're you're right. We're starting, we've seen so much of this in the crypto space last year, but now with inflation and the war in Ukraine and all these other factors that have contributed to the wider economic circumstance, it's quite interesting to see now traditional finance also being quite negatively affected by the like macro economy, I suppose. I saw this great um meme on a Instagram page called liquidity yeah um, if you if you haven't like seen it you just got to look it up it's great if you're into like financial kind of memes and there was this one it was like all these finance bros walking around and being like oh it was so funny when this big collapses all happened to the nft guys but now it's happening to us like this sucks <laughs> yeah and I was like wow that's that's very poignant <laughs> yeah at li- liquidity, like I'm giving them free advertising right here. It's a great meme page. Love them. Yeah, we love them. And they just, they hit on all levels and they're always like, you know, if you want to keep updated on financial news, but you don't want all the jargon and like boring, like the, it's kind of like the TLDR, but like meme, memefied. So yeah, <laughs> you're getting like news, but like kind of funny. It kind of just makes you laugh when yeah. It's not laugh, like not a, not a laughing situation. Yeah, a hundred percent. But anyway, enough of the free advertising of other, (laughs) yeah, crypto influencers. Not, I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Anyway, so back to Silicon Valley Bank. So as as we know, it collapsed, as Nikita said, around a week ago, and. It is quite a significant event because this bank was the 16th largest bank in the United States and the collapse was the second largest US bank collapse in history ever. The the first, the biggest one to happen was in during the GFC in 2008 when Washington Mutual collapsed. So quite a big deal for traditional finance, but 
um, there's a lot of kind of good news, I suppose, for depositors in the bank. But I think we should probably backtrack and talk about what kind of bank Silicon Valley Bank was, who its clients were, and um, just kind of what the implications of that client base is. So Silicon Valley was uh, <laughs> served the valley, the Silicon Valley, duh. Um, and they served a lot of startups. And to name a few, like Roblox, Pinterest, Roku, What's Roku? I think it's a TV program, right? Or something. Oh, I don't know, but it sounds spa- spicy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that they did Airbnb and Fitbit as well. So some quite okay. big, um, quite big cl- uh, clients like that. And then I think yeah. a lot of venture capital firms, which are not necessarily mm. household names, but there's a lot of money flying in and out of venture capital firms. Yeah. And um, all the companies that venture capital firms I think venture capital is kind of like almost a one-stop shop where you're a startup, you go to the venture capital firm, and then they kind of give you their contacts, like what bank to use, what, I don't know, marketing person to use. So um, when venture capital firms are using a certain bank, it's also like, okay, so they have like all these startups affiliated with them and... Yeah, so Silicon Silicon Valley Bank was apparently serving like over 65 or 70% of startups in the US. So Mm. like a big deal. Wow, that is a lot. And I think they also have service. They also serviced um, kind of overseas startups or like tech companies. Like I know if you're a New Zealander, you'll probably know Rocket Lab, um, Peter Beck's company. They had about 30 mil, I think, that they were, they had deposited with Silicon Valley Bank. Um, so yeah, a, a global reach, obviously if the 16th largest bank in, in the United States, um, certainly would have a global reach. Um, and I think it's really interesting to note, I mean, we've talked about the clientele, which has been very heavily based in the tech sector and the venture capital sector and the startup sector. And I think something to note with these kind of clients is that they are companies where the money moves really, really quickly, you know, they're depositing and withdrawing money all the time and when markets start to kind of slow down and um, money is not really going around as easily those are kind of the companies that seem to have firstly kind of like the initial the initial pressure kind of falls back on these firms I feel like quite quite heavily but also um, they're the kind of first to kind of topple I suppose in those and when when markets start to slow down long story short silicon Valley Bank lost about 80% of its value, um, like 80% of its deposits, and they lost 60% of that in one day, which is pretty colossal. Like it's a pretty, it was a pretty rapid collapse. It was a bank, um, it was a total bank run. So people were just taking out all their money because as soon as someone has a little, like a little thing of fear, it just it's a it's it's called a contagion really it's like a virus it just like everyone just catches it and they catch fear and yeah I mean honestly honestly if someone was like oh ASB I have my I I bank with ASB not that anyone wants to know that but like um (laughs) like if someone was like oh my god ASB is gonna collapse I would I would take my money out I would be so scared so um yeah I get it but at yeah, the same 100%. time, like, 
it is that fear that causes the bank to collapse so it's kind of a real tricky situation a hundred percent and there is a silver lining in the silicon valley bank situation for depositors uh the the us has a system that new zealand has not yet implemented into its own legislation but i can imagine that that legislation will be coming very soon well i hope it will anyway they've got something running through parliament but the us has something called the fdic which stands for the federal deposit insurance corporation and basically what this corporation does is that it guarantees customers deposits and banks so if something like silicon valley bank happens where they where the bank collapses uh, each depositor is guaranteed up to $250,000 of their income from the government so they don't lose that um i suppose level of their deposit of course a lot of silicon valley banks customers will have had more than that um and deposited in the bank so i mean for your like mother and father kind of family depositors it's it's a great it's great news but for big corps maybe not so much but i suppose that is the silver lining and um I think we kind of touched on this earlier, but maybe we should elaborate on how how it kind of went wrong. Like what were the what were the surrounding factors that caused Silicon Valley Bank to crumble so quickly? So it was a really unique situation where when there was a crypto tech bull market in the start of 2020, 2021. Uh, which we might remember when everyone went into COVID lockdown, we were all on Netflix, we were all on TikTok, like everything, Zoom uh, was kind of like went crazy, Upwork, mm-hmm. like all these amazing tech startups. They just got an influx of money and by proxy, the banks also got a lot of like deposits. So these mm. tech companies would st- um, store all their like kind of profits all their spare money in the bank and just kind of keep it there like we normally would and you know earn a little bit of interest on their deposits and silicon valley bank will probably be disproportionately positively affected by a big tech boom because of their client base just to add that but continue on (laughs) absolutely so what a bank does with deposits is they usually put it into an investment or they loan it out so that they can kind of get some interest or profit off the Mm -hmm. deposit and then give it back give some of those profits back to the depositor and also keep some profits to themselves but at the time silicon valley bank was struggling to loan out the money like there wasn't enough loan demand and so what they did is they invested all the, not all, but most of the deposits into treasury bonds, which are usually a very, very safe investment, but they mm-hmm. are a long-term investment. So they're kind of locked in. You can't divest. You can't just take it out. All of a sudden they're locked in and you earn like a really small return on like treasury or government bonds usually. Yeah, 100%. And I think uh yeah, good thing to note is that yes, a lot of the a lot of the things uh bonds that the Silicon Valley Bank were invested in were long-term mortgage-backed securities. And those aren't as liquid as a US Treasury bill or like another kind of 
government bond um, because they do have that kind of longer term maturity date. And I suppose you can you can sell out of uh, bonds before the maturity date is reached. But a good thing to note, and this is in consideration of the wider economic environment, is that what have we had happen really recently? We've had a lot of inflation. And to combat that, the central banks have risen the interest rates to try and slow down people's spending by increasing the rate it costs to borrow money. And the reason that this has a relationship with bonds is that interest rates and bonds have an inverse relationship. So as interest rates rise, the price of bonds will fall. So Silicon Valley Bank was very heavily exposed to the bond market. It had it held a lot of bond assets. And so in 2021, the interest rates on bonds were a lot lower than they are today. So people who are buying bonds today are getting more interest by the time those bonds mature than they once were. So that's driven down the price of bonds that were bought, were bought in 2021. And this is fine if you hold on to these uh, to hold on to these bonds because no loss is a realized loss until you sell out. And so Silicon Valley Bank was just kind of treading along and surviving. But as as inflation's gotten so intense and more pressure has been put on their client base, particularly tech companies, venture capital companies, um, and startups, more and more companies have started to kind of cash out. And Silicon Valley Bank, I don't remember which date that this was on, but basically made an announcement and said that it had to liquidate a lot of its bonds, i.e. sell off a lot of its bonds. And as we know, because the bond prices fell, they had to do that for quite a significant loss. And this kind of sparked a bit of contagion, which is something that Nikita was talking before, a bit of fear. And the fear kind of caught on and more and more companies started to flood the the bank and withdraw their deposits. And this is known as a run on the banks, which is a big catchword that's probably been thrown around in the media a lot in the last week or so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's basically the long and short of like how <laughs> Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. <laughs> yeah. And I think the timing was also really poorly done as well, because just the day before, so I think it was March 8th that a bank called Silvergate, another relatively small bank, um, announced that they were going to liquidate. And I think it was the causes were very much similar where like, they the interest rates had increased so rapidly and they couldn't they couldn't keep up with you know this these crazy returns like if you deposit your money in the bank now you're gonna get like a pretty nice return Mm -hmm. so um they just couldn't really keep up with you know this sudden change i i guess um we should say and so yeah silvergate announced they were going to liquidate on march 8th the march 9 um silicon valley said they were gonna do like a capital raise and like try to raise some money sell off some stocks then suddenly like the silicon valley was just just went crazy like founders and stuff started talking um the ceo silicon valley bank held a conference call and tried to soothe a lot of the venture capitalists um but that did not work and on march 10 the stock price of Silicon Valley Bank went like this and then Mm -hmm. everyone started taking out, 
their assets and that was like yeah the bank run then after that there was another bank who got affected I think it was Signature Bank in New York similar story mm-hmm. and so a lot of these community banks are now being affected because um I guess they all had the similar pressures as Silicon Valley Bank yeah absolutely and I mean, our listeners will probably know and have heard of a lot of banks sending out emails and statements saying we are, we're protected from this kind of risk, you know, like, and, and a lot of governments have been announcing that they will protect depositors or they won't depict, uh, protect depositors. There's been a lot of media buzz around this, as you would expect. Um, and something that happened actually today, 21st of March, was I woke up to a new story about Credit Suisse nearly collapsing because they were, I am I assume they were very overexposed to bonds as well. Um, they are one of the biggest banks in the world, which was when I woke up, it was, you know, quite a cortisol um, boost <laughs> early in the morning. <laughs> um, but fortunately they have been bailed out by UBS, which is a another bank I believe another Swiss bank they're like Credit Suisse and UBS are the biggest banks in Switzerland and for anyone Mm -hmm. who's unfamiliar with finance um Switzerland is kind of like a they're like the masters of finance almost like Mm -hmm. Switzerland and finance almost has like the same ring to it (laughs) yeah Um, 100% yeah they have their watches and then they have their banks so Mm. UBS and Credit Suisse are like the big bros and I can't believe that Credit Suisse had had a bet like it's it's crazy like it was there it was huge it's and then it's gone and then the Swiss finance minister I read she said it's not a bailout but UBS got Credit Suisse for three billion dollars that's so cheap it's like it's it's insane. I'm pretty sure like assets under management for Credit Suisse to give us a little bit con- of context. Assets under management for Credit Suisse were 1.4 trillion dollars. 1.4 trillion dollars. Yes, I'm not sure which currency that is, but like a trillion dollars in any currency apart from maybe if you're from Zimbabwe or Venezuela yeah. is like <laughs> a lot of money. <laughs> I think that's like um, what's the GDP of New Zealand? I think it's less than, than that. I think it's less than a trillion. Uh, oh my god yeah shit yeah i reckon it would only be around like nine or ten billion maybe that's even i god the, the numbers are just that Two, big 250 just... billion oh so like, nine four, billion? like no 250 billion i know but like i just said nine billion yeah i think honestly but i don't blame you because once things get over a certain number you just can't even imagine it a hundred percent like it's just it's unfathomable unfathomable amounts of money but what's really like scary to me just as a side note is that like if Credit Suisse has been acquired by another big Swiss bank like how shit is that for market competition that's just gonna bite depositors and like the UBS customers and former Credit Suisse customers in the ass like it's gonna be so much more expensive to bank now so at the end of the day even though the banks are potentially engaging in risky um, investments and not having a diverse enough client base and causing all these big collapses, they are continuing to get away with it. And in some cases, i.e. in UBS's case, end up far better off because of (laughs) other bankers' faux pas. And I am seriously, it's just, it's it's not good for the little man. 
No, it's not good. And community banks is, are really essential. Actually, um, kind of another another cause of these community bank failures is due to the 2008 financial crisis and the subsequent regulations that were put in place after 2008. So for any like Gen, Gen Zers who are listening to this, the 2008 financial crisis was huge, like enormous, had impacts all over the world. Afterwards, Obama put in some financial regulations to make banks behave better. And they were really strict. Um, but they were almost too strict for the smaller banks because they so suddenly the to comply with the regulations, smaller banks were like, we can't afford this. This is just like too much red tape. And so Trump reversed um, some of the regulations for community banks. But arguably it's those reversals that Trump made that have made kind of community banks more vulnerable to market shocks or rising interest rates and things like that so the larger mm. banks are like pretty okay at the moment because they've had all these stringent re regulations still adhere to them but yeah the smaller banks are, re are really in for some trouble and we do need them like local businesses local towns need these banks mm, absolutely and I think yeah and in, in any market the more competition that is around usually the better if businesses are competing with one another it usually means that the consumer ends up better off it's just again basic supply and demand laws so it, it is really sad to see these community banks really feel the pressure I think one more thing that we should probably chat about in this short snappy little episode is the USDC DPEG which was Again, quite frightening and probably for a lot of crypto investors, quite almost reminiscent of the, well, it was nearly very reminiscent of the Terra Luna crash. Um, it has now recovered from its DPEG, um, but to backtrack, uh, USDC is a circle issued stable coin, which means, and it, it's, its peg is to the US dollar and um, upon the collapse of SVB, it lost its peg and dropped to about 86 cents on the 86 cents on the dollar 86 cents on the dollar my goodness <laughs> um and to be honest i actually think circle handles like the pr of this quite well like it issued this statement on its website um basically just guaranteeing to uh, USDC investors that USDC was 100% collateralized. The reason that there was so much fear around the USDC stablecoin was because 3.3 billion out of 40 billion of uh, USDC's uh, collateral was invested with Silicon Valley Bank. So that's a decent proportion of their money just kind of up in smoke. Um, but yes, as I say, Circle released a press release on their website guaranteeing that, well, guaranteeing, I say in, in quote marks, you never quite know with these crypto firms, um, but saying that it was 100% collateralized in either US cash or treasury bills, uh, which they said were the most liquid asset in the world, um, <laughs> which is true, but we all know from the SVB collapse that Bonds can be very liquid. However, they can fall in price because of interest rates. So 
we'll see what happens with um, USDC. But at the moment, it's regained its peg. All seems to be well at the moment. <laughs> yeah, at the moment. Mm. Uh, it's been it's been hectic, yeah. Um, I also feel sorry for, like, you know, some crypto businesses. I think that Silicon Valley customers and Signature Bank customers or Silvergate, no, whatever, like, <laughs> a couple of banks are going to be fully compensated. I mean, the customers will be fully compensated because the US government had this insurance fund that, mm. that I think it actually was instated after 2008 where there was such a massive like crisis that they made an insurance fund for future crises. And mm. so depositors with Silicon Valley Bank will, I think, be getting 100% of their money back, which is quite good but of course this contagion has spread to other parts of the world it's spread to the UK it's spread obviously to Switzerland with Credit Suisse it's mm. spread to even Japan where I am right now so there will be a few I don't know earthquakes around yeah a hundred percent like you're absolutely right I think it's very naive if someone doesn't really and expect to see any aftershocks from something like this and sometimes it's not really even I mean banks can be fine and then people start to get fearful and withdraw money and then things can topple very quickly because if you have enough people going to the banks and withdrawing money then they are put in a very kind of tight corner where they have to sell out of their investments that they may have projected for wanting to get out of in 10 years not right now so I suppose it really just depends on how much fear there is kind of circulating so we shall see yeah if Credit Suisse is struggling I can imagine that there's probably a lot of pressure on yes smaller <laughs> as well <laughs> it was actually some there was a news article just released a few hours ago about how economists have analyzed that about 190 community banks are going to be affected by this mm -hmm. um let's hope that nothing comes to fruition i think we're all over it um i remember mm. in 2016 i was like begging for some drama no it was 2015 i was like begging for some <laughs> world drama because at the time world was so peaceful <laughs> Oh god. And I was a little bored. Those were the days. Yeah. And now now I got my drama and I'm over it. <laughs> oh, 100%. I think that sums up honestly what's happened like with the whole banking thing. We we wrote a blog on it. So, if you just wanted to kind of reiterate some of these ideas, there's mm. a blog on our website, just a post called We Love a Bank Run. <laughs> And no, quotation we don't. marks. We don't. We know we don't love like, a bank we run. We love a bank run. <laughs> Loves a bank run. Loves a bank run. Yeah. No, just, we don't. You know, colloquially. Actually, I don't know. That's not even colloquial. I don't know it's, what I'm saying. It's just it's just like a tired, like loves a bank run kind of yeah. vibe. <laughs> oh I don't God, know if anyone so will iconic. like get that. <laughs> No, I think they will. Like, you know, any any girlies that have been on TikTok surely will be all over that sentiment. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that, that'll be up. I think that is already up at CryptoGirlsHQ.com. Yeah. And then our newsletter, which I like mentioned at the start of the pod. Yeah. Fucking slaps. Thanks, Olivia. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So enough for today. 
check out our newsletter, check out our Silicon Valley Bank article on our website. Um, and we hope you enjoyed listening. As always, any questions, queries, critiques, anything like that, just hit us up. We're always happy to talk. And if you have anything to teach us, we love that too. So yeah. we'll see you next time. See you. Ciao. Peace out, motherfuckers. <laughs>